Teens Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Singleton. And as a child of the 80s, I'd love to say queens rule, but they don't. Queens lead. Being a queen means you are worthy to be a leader of people. The guests on our show do exactly that. They are leading the way in their businesses, families, and communities. They're taking their rightful place in the spotlight, leading and inspiring the developing queens in all of us. Welcome to the Queens Lead Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Queen's Lead Podcast. Today, I am joined by Queen Billy Ferguson right here in Oklahoma with me. Welcome, Billy. Hi. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for being my guest. So uh, hop right me. in and tell, tell the guests who you are. Yeah. So Billy Ferguson, I, my office is in Edmond. I am a licensed therapist and so uh, mental health world. Right. And I uh, work a lot with men and women. Um, I work a lot with anxiety, um, depression, a lot of trauma, a lot of hard stuff that people um, have gone through. However, the people I work with are really good at masking it. <laughs> they're really, yeah. they're the people that they're the put on the happy the face people. Right, exactly. The people I've that been that would, people. Uh -huh. <laughs> yes, the people that would look at you and say, You're going through hard stuff. Like, what? I would never think that you would be in therapy, right? Those hey, are the here's people. a clue. Everybody going through hard stuff, right? Everybody. Yeah. And, and no matter right. how much you mask it from other people or yourself, it's happening. So That's yeah, right. those are the people that um that I see. And I'm also, you know, just in the past year or two have stepped off of the therapy couch or gotten off of the therapy couch, as I like to say, and got into the coaching world, the consultation world. Um, you know, I do a lot of space holding sessions, emotional uh, coaching, energy work. And so it's a little bit different vibe than therapy. I get to do some things that um, don't necessarily fit within the therapy box as far as yeah. licensure. Um, you know, everything is still ethical, of course, but uh, just a little bit different mode. I get to help people and heal people in a little bit different way in the coaching yeah. realm. So, you know, it. when I'm not doing that, I am a wife. I've, I'm married to, I, I call him a rock star of a husband. Um, this is the test to see if he's listening. I heard That's it. Are you listening? <laughs> uh -huh. I also have two little ones at home, a five-year-old and almost four tomorrow. So little Oh my gosh, ones little ones. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, so Billy does therapy, right? Billy helps yeah. you. And let me tell you, if you don't think you need therapy, you're wrong. Um, I am a product Therapist. of pretty much de decades of therapy. Yeah, and um, yeah, it definitely works. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your background. And I know like a lot of our guests are here listening are either entrepreneurs, small business owners, or they're stuck in some kind of corporate nine to five working mm -hmm. for the man or the woman or that bitch and mm -hmm. <laughs> that one bitch and they're trying to get out. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey of working for that bitch or that one dude or whoever that was and mm -hmm. what, how you kind of made that decision and, and what you're doing now, how that kind of happened? 
Yeah, yeah. I always joke that I didn't really make that decision that my husband pushed me out of that world because he was tired of living with me. And that oh, okay, rock star. He's uh, like, listen, you're intolerable. Also, Do something else. Yes, yes. <laughs> I you're love at the that. point of begging. Uh, yes. But yeah, I've had my private practice for two, almost three years now. Before that, I was a clinical director. I was a supervisor. Like I helped run and manage other therapists. And so I had a lot of responsibility in that and did a lot of training, um, caught a lot of of heat and pressure that goes along with kind of being at the top of uh, the corporate ladder, so to speak. Um, And, you know, in doing that, my mental health suffered, my relationship suffered. I mean, there was a reason why my husband was trying to push me out of that. Um, and I don't think I probably be- brought my best therapy game. I, I mean, those yeah. sorts of things, when we are in tough <laughs> environments, tough work environments, it has ripple effects for mm. sure. And I didn't know that it had ripple effects. I was numb to it. I was blind to it. I was just doing the thing, collecting the paycheck, thinking, you know, I had to be here for my family. I mean, I had a whole lot of justifications for why I stayed in a place Mm -hmm. that was not good for me to stay in. Uh, And I did that for almost eight years, nine years. I was in that cycle. Uh, What do you think the first clue was? What was the first thing that happened that you were like, oh, this feels uncomfortable? Um, I think this was going to be when I was three months postpartum coming back from having my son, uh, my second born, and it, I was at the office 10, 11 o'clock at night by myself doing, oh, wow. working on a pretty big, important project, but um, like there was nothing to show for it you know I mean yes I got the paycheck for it uh, but I wasn't with my three-month-old you know my husband was calling me like where are you come home Mm -hmm. we need you and I was like I I need to be here I have to be here this is where I'm supposed to be which is total baloney but you know I had drink the Kool-Aid. And that was what I did. I always yeah. describe myself as a loyal person, dedicated person, never give up. Kind that of loyalty person. word. Ooh, right? there it is. Yeah. yeah. So not only, it sounds like not only were you losing touch with yourself, your family, like your personal purpose, but even within the organization, getting stuck with all these projects and management and stuff, it sounds like that North star of patient care and, uh, you know, and therapist autonomy was also lost. So yeah at the same time, that's a hard um, thing to deal with. Yeah. And I didn't even realize it. You know, I was just doing my thing. I was just doing what I was good at. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I have a, um, I'm proud of my work ethic and that work ethic is at that level, that unsustainable level, not so great. Also my Achilles heel. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You want to make whoever you're working with be a rock star, right? So why not make it you? Exactly. So, yeah. so you finally made the decision. Your husband's like, look, you can do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you did this. Absolutely. And I, that time was such a blur, but what I do remember was sitting on, like sitting in the sand at one of the Oklahoma lakes, not like some fancy, like. Ooh, so we're in the ocean. dirt, really. In the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> this so the looking, dirtish sand. 
right? Looking at the brown lake and just wondering like, okay, I don't know where this is going to take me, but it has to be better than where I am now. So it was really this jump. People talk about this leap of faith and that's what it was. It wasn't even a Mm -hmm. a leap of faith in myself because I didn't believe in myself. I didn't, was never told that I could be an entrepreneur. I'm the first in my family to do this. Okay. Yeah. Um, And I just jumped, like um, close my eyes, jump off the cliff and yeah. Three years later, it's working out okay. Better than I could ever imagine. Yes, I love that. I think that is that jump is what everyone is so terrified to make. And you know, I I love that you mentioned faith. Um, I'm kind of on a on a on a journey of faith myself right now. And and a book I'm reading said this morning, uh, it said certainty. You don't have to have faith when you're certain. If you know, you know, I know that this is a pen. I don't have to have faith in this pen, but to have faith in yourself or something that's going to happen, you can't be certain, right? You just have to jump and know and have faith and trust that it's going to work or it's not going to work, but at least maybe you'll be one step closer to where you were wanting to be when you took that leap. Absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. So what were some of the first things that you had to put in place for yourself as an entrepreneur that, I mean, there's about a million zillion different hats that we all have to wear, right? So what are the biggest things mm-hmm. that someone in your shoes needs to really think about first uh, when making that move? Maybe maybe they're sitting at their desk right now at that corporate place and they're going, okay, what do I have to do? What do I got to put in place for me to get the hell out of here? Yeah, a number one, and I'm gonna put it in like bold letters here, support, right? Support. support, community, find people that you can ask questions to, find people yes. that um, are in a similar boat than you. You know, I went and joined this, this group of therapists that all had their own private mm-hmm. practices, but we are all under the same roof. And so we could collaborate. Yes. This was also during, um, you know, the pandemic. And so I didn't see a whole lot of them, but they were available by email. You know, we had some consultations over Zoom. Zoom. Um, and so that community where I could say, okay, what do a CPA, anyone know, like an accountant. So I have to do something with money now that I own a business. Yeah. Yeah. Those sorts of things that were so brand new that I could ask questions, bounce ideas. And then when I didn't find something that I needed, I created it. And so for example, I, uh, you know, was coming from that, uh, that workplace, lots of competition, like you have don't trust anyone else. They're the enemy moving towards like, we can be collaborative with other practice owners. Mm. And so I started a networking group where um, it's Oklahoma therapists and um, really grew that so that I could do the same thing, ask questions, um, not feel like I was in it alone, really get to know Mm. other people where it's not competition. You know, I'm, there's enough people that need our help and support. Like there's, there's enough to go around and just do this together. Together. So that was huge. When I didn't find what I needed, I created it. And so that's why I would say, you know, the number one thing people need if they're going to take that leap of faith is build your community. Go find yes. people, whether a you're thousand percent. introvert, extrovert, something in between, you need connection. So yes, you do. That. Yes, you do. I can't tell you when I first started thinking about opening a marketing agency, I was so hush lipped. 
Mm. I didn't tell anybody about it. Mm. I wanted to build it, make it perfect and do all these things first before I told the world or found yes. support or anything like that. And I'm telling you, it was a struggle until I finally found my community. I found my people. It's called a mastermind. If you've never heard of a mastermind, find an industry specific mastermind, find other people that are trying to do what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. but not, not necessarily that are in the same place as you buy into that big room, buy into that scary place where everybody is doing that huge, big, enormous, giant elephant thing that you want to do. That's the room you need to be in. Be the dumbest person you can possibly be. Find a room where you're stupid. That is the place where you will learn and grow. And I'm actually wearing my commitment summit. Our mastermind, uh, our our business height sponsors a digital marketing agency owner mastermind. And it's called the committed mastermind. Um, We do a lot of other stuff together, but what we do mainly is get together once a quarter in Dallas and then once a year in Costa Rica. And we talk about marketing, the challenges of running an agency and all those things you were talking about. And I can't tell you how much I've grown because of being surrounded by people that are all trying to do the same thing I'm doing when I thought they were my competition. But just like you said, there is room for everybody. Everybody needs marketing. Everybody needs therapy. Everybody needs support. And so there is enough um, success for all of us to work together. And I think that's something that a lot of new business owners, new entrepreneurs don't get. They think they're all alone Mm -hmm. in their success and in their failure. And they're really not. And you just accidentally, oh, there you go. I thought you made it accidentally. (laughs) Like they're going to be mowing right by my, my window here in a moment. So that's perfect. No, that's great. We mow. It is Oklahoma. It is hot. It has rained a ton and the grass is growing. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Take care of it now before it's 110 degrees. So let's go back a little bit to that toxic work environment. You mentioned before we got on the call that it was pretty rough. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about kind of what you went through and how you found your way out of that and and give people some tips on what they can do maybe better or the same as what you did to, to make that escape or at least survive the storm while they're trying to figure out that way to get out? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I will tell you, I've had to do a lot of my own healing work and, and coming from that, which is, you know, kind of, it kind of wild to think about that. I go through these, these work environments that impact us in a way that we have to do healing work, but it, it's true. It's just like a bad relationship. It's just like yes. a bad breakup. And so there's healing work to be done. If you don't do it, it'll, it'll sneak up on you. Yeah. Uh, but I can definitely point to my part in what what went on, you know, again, going back to that work ethic, going back to um, just what I learned growing up that you you dig your heels in, you get dirty, you do what you need to do and you sweat blood and tears, right? That's just how you yeah. work. That's what um, we do here. We're okies. You work, right? you roll up them sleeves and by God, you do the thing, right? Yes. Yeah. So don't be afraid of that hard work. And you might have, you know, I also come from a family of coaches, so you might have people yelling at you, pushing you, and that just means you're going to get through. Um, But that does not necessarily make for a positive work environment where people thrive. And so, um, you know, I wasn't great at at boundaries. I wasn't great at knowing myself. I wasn't great at standing up for myself. I just did. And, you know, I was in that clinical director role before 
age 30. So I was also immature yeah. and, you know, yeah, just, sure. just trying to be out here making it. Um, and so I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't have the tools that I needed. I didn't have um, the inner strength at that time to, to set the boundaries, to say no, to say, this isn't healthy, this isn't good. Uh, so you're definitely growing from there, getting out of that, I can look around and say, I know myself a little bit more. I know myself a little bit better. I know my worth and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put up with things that aren't going to serve me and what I need. So it's mm -hmm. definitely a different place than I was um, three years ago, eight years ago when I first got into that, um, well, I guess 10 years now, but yeah, totally different person, place. Um, but you know, we have to know ourselves in that way. Yeah. You absolutely do. So let's talk a little bit about the people you're serving now. Uh, you have two different offerings, basically, which is mm -hmm. your therapy. And then you also have um, the body mind collab, which is more of a, a, a space holding. What mm -hmm. is right? How do we know which offer is really right for us? Mm -hmm. um, you know, if we're looking for help through, you know, we need to get from point A to point B, or we're just so depressed, we can't move. I mean, I've been there. Um, I know there's a spectrum of mental, um, you know, struggles and challenges. So can you tell us a little bit about like what you're doing and what's right for each person? Yeah. Yeah. So on the therapy side, you know, I, I bill insurance, um, that is, you know, a necessary evil for so many people, uh, that fun financial support and, in in using your insurance and therapy, um, again, one of the red tape, the, the necessary evil parts of it is that you have to be diagnosed with, uh, a mental health disorder. And so mm. I have to go through the DSM. Um, it feels like a label for some people. It can also feel like a guide for treatment for some people so i'm not like knocking mm -hmm. it like this is a necessary thing for many yeah so have that diagnosis but mm -hmm. that is required to bill insurance uh, and and to use that um there's also a lot of you know staying in the box in therapy again very helpful for many people necessary uh as a guide um and then there's the other side of it where, you know, I get to do things like energy work that isn't necessarily what the therapy world would call evidence-based. It yes. works. I can show you all the evidence of it, but, you know, having it labeled as something insurance would not accept it. If I submitted yeah. something that said I did energy work with somebody, they'd be like, okay, now give us our money back. That would be a problem <laughs> for everyone. And so I get to do things on the coaching or space holding side that are absolutely healing, absolutely transformative, um, that I don't necessarily get to do in the box of therapy. And so it is two separate things that I do. Um, you know, as you could think of it as a venn diagram where they're you know two separate things but there is some, right. some overlap some overlap it feels yeah it has some very similar feels to it but but it is different but knowing what you need you know i would say um on the the space holding side it, we're usually targeting a, a specific thing we're targeting a specific issue for example mm -hmm. i work a lot with money mindset moving through the anxiety with entrepreneurs of okay i want to raise my prices but how can i justify this who's going to come who's going to buy what i'm selling uh if i raise them to this rate i know what i'm worth but that's a scary leap uh, so we target that specific issue and move through through that 
um, so coaching is more in that that realm of I've got one thing I'm targeting, let's go to that. And it's usually also more uh, more short term than some of what I do in the therapy work. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. And you have a physical brick and mortar location that people mm-hmm. can visit you with. Do you also do online work do. with people yes. as well? So many people still want the online, you know, I think, especially the past couple of years, we've found the convenience that that can offer. And so what I do is absolutely, I can do it in the office, I can do it virtually, um, and it still works. You know, I use some Mm -hmm. specific techniques that are are kind of unique. I I do brain spotting, and I could talk all day about brain spotting and how that is amazing. Um, But I can even do that in person, online. I can do energy work in person, online therapy. Yes. It's, it's been a game changer, something I did not expect. So are you now I, uh, we were talking earlier about coaches and there are a lot of like certification programs and and styles of coaching. Are you affiliated with any particular style or affiliation of coaching, or has this all come from your experience of being a therapist? Yep, I'm, I'm bringing my baggage as a therapist along with me. Um, one of the things I have been trained in, like I mentioned, the brain spotting tool. Yeah, talk more yeah. about that. That's yeah. kind of it's, hmm. it's fascinating. my interest. Stuff. Yeah, a lot of people in Oklahoma specifically are more familiar with EMDR as a therapy uh, modality, and brain spotting is almost a cousin of that. So okay. what mm-hmm. I'm doing is when I'm working with someone on an issue is we're finding where the eyes are positioned that are linked to a spot in your brain that has some sort of locked memory or emotion, mindset, limiting belief. I mean, there's something in your brain that is stuck. And by finding where the eye is positioned, connected to that part in your brain, we can go back, reprocess it, uh, rewire it. It's, It's fascinating, fascinating work. Wow. So once you determine what that old limiting belief or whatever you want to call that thing is, then you start making, working on toward what you said, rewiring that. Yeah. And so give me an example of what that might look like. Okay. Um, So if you think of, uh, think of something that on a scale of zero to 10 of, of tough stuff that you're dealing with, think of a four, a kind of four issue. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And when you were just thinking about it, I, I saw your eyes looked up to the left. Did you? Right. you yeah, I you felt that. that. Yeah. <laughs> there's a brain spot there. Yeah, there's a brain spot there. Our, our eyes naturally just go to where that is. Uh-huh. And your ocular muscles, your eye muscles are connected to neurons in your brain that that for whatever you just thought of is located. I mean, we have like four quadrillion trillion. I mean, we have a lot of neural networks and connections in our brain. And so just finding that one connection, whatever that four issue was, we target that. I have you in a session, I would have you stay there and talk about it, feel it in your body, experience what that's like, any emotions that come up, any thoughts that pop up, we become very curious about it. And we let the body and the brain do what it naturally does, which is heal itself, all by staying in that one spot that your eyes just targeted. 
So I can do it like that where I just watch where your eyes go naturally. Um, I can also find that brain spot. I have a pointer that I have people take a look at. Um, so I have them look at the end of my pointer and then we move left and we move right, we move up, down. Uh, we find, I help you find that specific spot where we target the stuckness that you go through. Uh, and then that's where the energy work comes in, letting it flow, letting it rewire. Your brain's going to do what it needs to do to get unstuck from that. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. I love yeah. that. Um, being intentional about specific problems, I think can be really impactful, um, to somebody, mm -hmm. uh, especially when it's like that stuck in a loop type thinking that's just like, sometimes you don't even know why you're still thinking that way, you know, until you so snap out of it or whatever you want to call it, but you have to rewire, reprogram that, that place. And it's yeah. pretty amazing to see where some of that comes from, from, way 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 back when huh? it is because those are the sorts of things that are way stuck in like the deep parts of your brain you know when we think we make decisions um like all that logical stuff language numbers like all of that stuff that makes our thinking human uh, that's in the the prefrontal cortex the part of the brain that's like right behind your forehead and that's where a lot of mindset work and um, talk therapy that's what we're accessing when we're doing that but brain Brain spotting is bypassing that. And just like you said, it's going to the deeper parts, the, the stuck experiences, the beliefs, the memories that we don't even like know that we have, but they are in there because the brain does what it does and holds on to them. So yeah. by bypassing the prefrontal cortex, the talking and the logic part of our brain, we get to the stuck stuff. We get to mm. the stuff where we're like, just like you said, why am I stuck on that? Why am yeah. I feeling that? It doesn't make sense. It won't make sense because it's in the part of the brain that like doesn't know how yeah. to describe that or make meaning out of yeah. it. Yeah. I recently, just, just this last year, I had this realization about paper towels. And paper towels to me, um, like, so I grew up what I would call lower middle class. Like we were okay. I never had a table without food on it. I never had a Christmas without a gift, nothing like that, but it was good. Right. Um, I had a good childhood, but money was always, always a worry. I remember watching my mother cry over her checkbook and move money from here to there and this and that. And I, I realized that my husband that I've been with now for seven years, um, he's a paper towel user. Okay. Like, and I mean, like he'll grab four or five or six to dry up one thing. And we didn't have paper towels growing up. We had napkins. We had best choice napkins and paper towels were a luxury. You did not use paper towels like that. And I didn't realize that I was getting pissed, like freaking mad at him for using paper towels. That way we can afford paper towels. I can get 500 rolls of them for Sam's for $20. But that from my mind, way back from the eighties was a money mindset, a limiting belief about money and the value of things. And I was freaking pissed at my husband for using five or six paper towels at once. And I didn't know why until now, I don't know. I didn't brain spot or do anything about it, but I think just the previous work of going, why is this bothering me? What is that related to? And just talking through it is like, oh my God, it's money. I see those as really valuable or I did when I was a kid. So it's like, I had no idea that a paper towel could be linked. I mean, and here I sit with two for my fruit plate this morning. I don't need paper towels for a fruit plate, but I have them now. And I don't think about, in fact, when I do see a lot of paper towels, I think I can afford that. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Paper towels are okay to use, you know? And so yeah. it's just such a wild thing to think about how one tiny thing is related to another from way back yeah, 40 years yeah. ago. 
Well, you know, it wasn't one tiny little thing though, because right, right. you just mentioned that there was some pretty significant experiences that you had growing up. And I bet there's more than one. And I oh, bet yeah. there are ones that you don't even remember. I mean, these are the types of things that we experience day in and day out in our childhood uh, that, yeah, they, especially in the, in the years that the brain was forming, mm -hmm. they're in there. Yeah. They're in there, they're in there in little locked capsules. And sometimes we recognize them. Sometimes they come to the forefront of our brain and we can remember that time and know where that connection is to the paper towels and work through that. But then there's also the times where we can like, why am I so mad about paper towels? It's because of that locked capsule that's there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At some point, if we want to move through that, we got we've got to go there. We've got to get down deep rewire yeah. heal that yeah you got to do the work right and not yeah. the kind of work we were talking about at the beginning you got to look and be selfish i think a lot of people and mothers and and just people in general run around really angry about a lot of stuff that they don't really know why they're so angry um and how much convincing do you have to do to a person sometimes to get them into therapy and actually work on themselves without feeling selfish yeah yeah i work a lot with awareness um, and being in, you said it earlier, being intentional with what you want and what you mm -hmm. don't want. Uh, and so going back to that awareness, what's happening in your body, what's happening in your mind, in your emotions, in your the life around you. And if we are tuned in to what's happening, not just going through life, not just coming up with all the justifications of why things are the way that they are. But if we are intentional about looking at that awareness, we can kind of figure out what we want and what we don't want. And it makes it worth changing. That's the whole thing. Like it has to be worth changing. But if we yeah. are mindful about, all right, I'm feeling this way. Uh, my emotions are this way. My, my thought process are this way and I don't want it. That's when we change. Yeah. Yeah, so I just absolutely. bring people to the awareness of what's happening. And I'm telling you, going back to my work experience, if I would have been more aware of what was happening in me, uh, what yes. was happening in my relationships, uh, all that ripple effect of the environment that I was in, I would have changed a lot, a lot sooner. And I can't even blame yeah. anyone else except for my awareness. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I gotta do that. I think that's something that we get caught up in as just as busy, we're all busy, right? We're busy, busy, busy. And we don't realize that, that, that curiosity and that awareness about why we're feeling the way we feel like, and when I started my own meditation journey in the last couple of years, I didn't understand what that meant, but noticing, noticing when a thought pops in my head, how does my physical body feel? Do I feel a pit in my stomach? Does my throat clench up? Do I furrow my brow when I just think of that person and why and follow those physical cues. And I can't believe the difference it's made now that when I have a physical cue, I may not even have thought about it, but I can redirect myself from a, a tiny physical cue going, yep. That's that trigger for me when I think of this or I feel this way, then I can choose. But having that awareness about it all is where it has to start before you can choose to make a different decision. I think a lot of us don't feel like we get the choice on whether or not we're going to be anxious or whether or not we're going to be reactionary or whatever, but we really do have a choice and therapy can really help with us becoming aware of that, being curious about it and being able to make a better decision and being equipped with the tools to do all of that. That's where you come in, like to give us those tools and that awareness. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so you would be a great candidate for brain spotting because you already do the work of just observing, which is sometimes the hardest part. You know, we get wrapped up in, am I doing this right? Or like the reaction to that anxiety, for example. Um, But being the observer, noticing, watching what happens when I just follow what comes up for me, that's, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's healing work there for sure. So you, you can tell you've done your healing work. I, I try. Hey, I'm not done with that. The healing work is, is on a daily, sometimes a minute by minute basis. Yes. Life, a lifetime, mm-hmm. a lifetime of it, but becoming aware is it's like when you become aware of a truth, you can't ignore it anymore. Right. Like yeah. you're, you're responsible for it now. Like, yeah. Oh crap. Now I know about this thing and I have to do this thing because that's the right thing to do for me. And, and everyone around me, right. And my husband, my rockstar husband that wants me to quit my job because I'm a total crab head to be around. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's I love right. it. That's it. So, um, tell us about, you have a mini series, a free mini series on becoming a mentally wealthy entrepreneur. And many of our listeners are entrepreneurs. So I think, yes. um, we're always chasing that, that wealth in those choices that wealth brings us, but tell us more about being mentally wealthy and how we can access that free tool. Yes. Well, you know, wealth is not just financial wealth, right? That's what we think of a lot of times, but we've also got relationship wealth that we, we um, need to pay attention to um, wealth in our self-care wealth in our environment, just the successes that we have. Wealth is so multifaceted, Um, but being mentally wealthy uh, means putting yourself first means paying attention to what is going on for you, what you need, um, how, you know, how you need to take care of yourself so that you can go out and do all the things that you need to as entrepreneurs, as, um, you know, as, as, as mothers, as wives, partners, uh, whatever hat that you wear. And we know we wear a lot of them. We've got to put ourselves and our mental health and well-being first. Otherwise, what are we doing? We, we can't sustain it, right? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. We are going mm-hmm. to crumble. We are not going to be able to hold everything that that we are trying to hold. So being mentally wealthy really means putting yourself first and taking care of your mental health. And this is another example of, you know, me looking for a community and not necessarily finding what I need and want. And so I created one. I have a a Facebook group, the Mentally Wealthy Entrepreneurs, that that's what it's all about. It's it's people that recognize that same thing that I've got to put myself first. It's really Mm -hmm. hard and maybe I'm not used to it. but I'm, I'm sure going to try because I recognize the importance of it. So that mini series really came out of that group of listening to what some of those priority, um, these are the things that are most helpful, um, some of those needs were, and creating that video series. There's one about um, balancing yes and no as an entrepreneur, uh, mm. where yes, we should. That's a big one. Yeses, right? Yes, we That's should a big one. sometimes, but we should also say no sometimes and finding that balance. Um, There's a video about um, anxiety and why it's not always the enemy. Why anxiety is actually helpful and we don't want to totally erase it, but we can use it as a tool. And then there's a video about brain spotting. I go into more of the details about brain spotting, what it is, why it is, and how I use it. Um, and so, yeah, that mini series, just kind of that collection of videos that my, my hope and helping people that 
recognize that priority of putting themselves first, recognize that it's difficult, um, but kind of that springboard to get to get started in that. Yeah, I love that. And we will put the link to that group um, in in the the training too, uh, in the in the show notes, guys. So go and claim that. But I love that you're talking about putting yourself first. I've heard that my whole life, right? Like, I didn't know what I mean, I thought that meant like taking a bath or getting my nails done or having a massage. And, and I didn't, I didn't do that for forever. Right. And now my kids are, are mostly grown. My youngest will be 15 in a couple of weeks. And it's occurred to me that a, a lot of women I know have young children about your kids age and how I wish that in order to teach them, I was always teaching them this way. You do this, you do this, you do this. But now as they're growing and my kids are adults and young adults and teenagers, the example that I'm setting by putting myself first has been more impactful in this last year or so with my youngest son that's still at home than probably any other effort I've ever made as a mom ever. And I didn't realize that getting up and him seeing me doing yoga in my living room or heading out to go to orange theory or wherever I'm going to work out or going and seeing my friends or having a date night with my husband or kissing in the kitchen, even though he's like, you know, I didn't realize that all of these little things that put me, that put truly put me first and my mental health first would be the catalyst and the example for him to make moves in his life, to make himself better. I always thought it had to be one directional, but that example of self-care mamas, that's it. That's the way you do it. That's the way you lead your kids. hundred percent. Ooh, I got goosebumps because Ooh, I mean, truth. girl, that it's is the truth. truth. That's some fire. I mean, like, here's my worst yeah. tiny mic for the drop. Cause here's hello, put yourself first. Okay. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. Truly, truly putting yourself first. What is, what's the, what's the, what's the first step that a mom can do to put herself first? Um, I would say the first step would be just in your mind prioritizing it in your mind, recognizing the need, recognizing that it's okay. Um, just getting your mindset, right. That I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to do it for me. I'm going to do it for them. Um, this is something I need because when, again, going back to that awareness, when you're aware of why you need it, when you're aware of that, that you need it, then you can start making the changes. Then you can look at your schedule, reprioritize things. Then you can say no to some things. You can say yes to other things. Um, You can kind of carve your way from there. But the first thing is that commitment to, yep, I'm, I'm tired of how things are. I'm tired of how I'm feeling. I need to make a change. That mental commitment is, is number one. You gotta be fed up with it. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have suffered enough. Yeah. I I think my mindset coach told me a few years ago, like when people get, when when you've suffered enough, that's when you finally get it. You you just have to suffer enough. And that's different for everybody. I mean, maybe your suffering is, you know, six months in a bad job. Maybe your suffering is a decade of hell, but when you finally suffered enough, you'll make the choice that helps you move forward. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Being aware of that suffering again, being aware, monitoring, being reflective, taking time to say, okay, am I suffering? Yeah, I am. Now I'm done. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And I think a lot of us that, you know, maybe you've been in the same job or the same career for a long, long time or around the same people. And you don't even realize you're suffering. You don't even realize that this isn't the way it is everywhere else. Right. You're like, oh no, this is just how work is. Is that how you felt? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what I was told. That's what I believe. That's what I told other people. Like I had a part in that. Um, Mm -hmm. and 
so that's how the environment was. That's why it was another reason why it was so scary because all I knew was it was this one way. And then I got out into the real world. I was like, oh, the sun is shining. What, what is, what's happening? Right? Yeah. Like there's other yeah. stuff going on out here. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> there's yep. a different way. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I have really enjoyed this conversation. I can't believe it's already been 45 minutes, but um, tell the, tell the audience where they can find you. What's the best way to connect with you, start consuming your content, getting into your group and maybe even working with you if that's the right fit. Yeah. I think the best way to connect with me is if you are an entrepreneur and if you're recognizing the need or that desire to put yourself first, the mentally wealthy entrepreneurs group is the best way. Join that with us. Um, that's where I show up a lot, do a lot of lives, uh, ask a lot of questions, connect like that. That's where I, I spend most of my time and energy. Um, I do have the Instagram account. I do have a, a Facebook account, but definitely you'll see me in that inside of that mentally wealthy entrepreneurs group that's kind of my my baby that i'm growing and then being able i mean yeah in that group ask me questions about brain spotting ask me questions about therapy my space holding and coaching packages like i will talk forever about it so join me in that group and and we'll be able to connect mentally wealthy entrepreneurs Awesome. So go over and join that Facebook group. Um, find her on um, all the socials at Billy J. Ferguson and bodymindcollab.com or ferguson-therapy.com. Uh, and thank you so much, Billy, for thank coming you. on and sharing your story and being a queen that leads. Thanks, baby.